Welcome back to another edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynes, uh, we got our first opportunity to hear from Stephen Vogt and Chris Antonetti uh, out in Goodyear. Uh, they sat down, uh, talked to reporters uh, prior to the uh, the club's workout on Thursday and uh, covered a, a variety of topics, uh, went over some injuries, and, and really uh, just sort of set things up before uh, they got to work out there uh, doing doing baseball things, I guess, as, as Stephen Vogt likes to to call it. Uh, what did you take away from uh, that first availability? Uh, the the two of them sitting there, sort of playing off of each other, and uh, any any sort of surprises uh, come out of that that uh, that you weren't anticipating? You know, no big surprises, Joe. Uh, I guess you know the big the big thing I took out of that is. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Shane Bieber and uh, Tristan McKenzie are, you know, got the green light. They're going to be uh, no restrictions, although uh, Chris Antonetti said, you know, Tristan uh, will be brought along a little slower than 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 normal. But, uh, you know, Bieber and uh, Tr- McKenzie looks like, uh, you know, they're going to hit the ground running. And the same goes for the three rookies uh, from last year. Uh, you know, uh, Logan Allen, uh, Gavin Williams, and uh, Tanner Bybee, no restrictions. Um, you know, but, you know, they're, they're asking them to be smart. You know, they're not going to, they don't want them throwing, uh, you know, trying to break the sound barrier in their first uh, couple live BP sessions. But, uh, you know, they should be ready for uh, the Cactus League season, which is just around the corner, Joe. February 24th, they, they open up against the Reds. Yeah, it's, uh, a week from tomorrow, they they get out there and, and get going with with real games. Uh, and and when when you said you know with the the younger guys, uh, you know they're they're not trying to uh, go out there and, and you know throw throw it through a wall or anything like that to to start the season. That's that makes a lot of sense. You wanna you wanna protect them and, and make sure that uh, they're pitching as strong at the you know at the end of the season as they as they would be when they build up to be uh, to, to be ready to go at the start of the season. All of all of what they said makes sense. So uh, now it's just a matter of getting out there, uh, going through the workouts, going through the drills and learning the new system, the new faces, the new coaches and all that. And, uh, you know, uh, a week from uh, tomorrow, they'll be they'll be on the field for real. Uh, as far as injuries go, uh, you know, one name did pop up uh, sort of on a, a an injury uh, a concern there. Uh, they mentioned one of the relief pitchers. Yeah, James Karinchak, uh, have, you know, has been shut down for a few days. Uh, uh, Antonetti called it a f- fatigue in the right shoulder. Uh, I'm not sure if he th- was, it, you know, I, I would imagine he's been in camp for a while. Everybody else has been. So he must have been thrown earlier and maybe, you know, just a, as precaution, they shut him down. But, you know, this is a guy, what, that two springs ago had the Terrace Major injury and missed all the camps. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's a guy they've got to keep an eye on, you know, he's a really hard worker and, uh, maybe he, he pushed it a, a little too far during the off season. We'll have to see and, you know, kind of track that. Cause that sounds like, you know, obviously a day to day thing, Joe, and you're not getting through spring training without somebody getting hurt. No, it's a, it's usually a couple of weeks into uh spring training that, that we see, uh, some of these fatigue and the the little nicks and and whatever uh, emerge and shut down. Not unusual to see somebody uh, um, you know have to miss a few days or, or be out for a, a little period of time. But you know, hopefully, Karen Check can can recover and bounce back and 
Uh, you know, who knows what he was doing in the offseason in terms of if he, if he went to a place like a like a drive line or a, one of those specialty shops to, to work on stuff. And, you know, it, it could have just been a, a matter of uh, maybe uh, pushing a little too hard at that point. But, you know, we'll see. Hopefully this doesn't develop into something uh, bigger than that. Uh, the other news uh, that uh, sort of emerged from uh, the Guardians yesterday uh, we finally have a time and, uh, you know, we, we are we already had the date and we already had the location, but we finally got a first pitch time for the uh, the Guardians home opener, which coincides with the total solar eclipse in Cleveland on April 8th. Uh, the Guardians have decided to move that uh, that first pitch time back uh, to 510 p.m. Uh, normally home openers uh, have at least uh, ones that haven't dealt with uh, lockouts or COVID or anything like that. Uh, usually they like to uh, do their home opener at, with a 4-10 pitch, uh, first pitch at home uh, in that first game. Uh, because of the solar eclipse, which uh, should be peaking right around 3.15 uh, uh, p.m., uh, they're going to uh, move this first ha- first pitch start time back. And, and really, that, that makes a lot of sense uh, as far as all that goes. Uh, so maybe we'll get a chance to, to actually, during our uh, – our pregame work that we're doing there at the ballpark, we'll actually get a chance to stop and look up and, and watch the eclipse. Yeah, Joe, that'll be cool. But my, my question is what if it's snowing on uh, and <laughs> for the home opener, do we, and it's all cloudy. Do we, does it still, do we still get to see the eclipse? Do we get, a, do we get a replay somewhere along the line? I, I think a lot of people will be disappointed if it's an overcast day uh, at the ballpark, but you know, uh, there should be a lot of people downtown. The uh, the Guardians are telling people, uh, if you can, take RTA. Uh, they're anticipating major uh, downtown traffic snarls, and and uh, a lot of businesses and schools have, are are closing that day. Uh, to you know, it, normally it, it, people in Cleveland, uh, you know, think of the home opener as a holiday, anyways. So uh, it's not that unusual, but. Uh, to to have it to have some sort of celestial activity going on uh, in the middle of it is is definitely going to be uh, unusual. I uh, can't wait to see what the effect is like. Uh, and and uh, you know I read somewhere you know there there's people that are hoping that they don't turn the ballpark lights on uh, at uh, at 3:15 uh, so that you know we get the the full effect of uh, the the moon uh, you know blocking out the sun for. Uh, you know, the, the three to four minutes or however long it's going to take uh, for that, that to happen. So it uh, should be interesting, should be uh, quite uh, an intense afternoon. And then and then after that, you get to play baseball and, and we get to see the uh, the Guardians and the White Sox uh, open the home portion of the schedule there. So uh, should be a lot of fun. Uh, the other thing to emerge from uh, that release was that, uh, you know, tickets, obviously, uh, single game tickets are on sale today. Uh, for all Guardians fans, online only because the the ballpark box offices are are shut down due to construction. But uh, 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 the big thing was they released the uh, the broadcast schedule and the times for uh, all the games on the schedule. Uh, and something uh, of note uh, for the rest of this season or for for the entirety of the season. Uh, in years past, we've seen uh, games in April and May. Uh, moved to a 6:10 start time. They did that a few years back uh, because the traditionally the uh, the weekday games in April and May, uh, you know, not really great weather and sometimes not really highly attended. Uh, so they 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 want to get you get you into the ballpark, get you out uh, early. 
Uh, but then once the kids are in, uh, out of school, uh, games from June until September had in the past had gone back to a 7:10 start time. Well, now the Guardians are going to move up that uh, weekday uh, summer start time from uh, 7:10 to 6:40. So they they move it up a half hour, and 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 Hoinsey, this is going to result in and most of us getting out of the ballpark at a, at a relatively decent hour every night. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, that's really uh, for for writers uh, and uh, uh, you know that's that's great. You know the 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 earlier the start time, the less the deadline pressure. And uh, you know, Joe, that's you know that kind of that's a life that's a uh, you know that's a game changer. You know, now with the new rules, uh, you know, with the games being sped up by about thirty minutes. Uh, you know, this, uh, yeah, you gotta, you, you're gonna have to, uh, write fast and, uh, watch fast. Yeah. We don't want to step away for too long because you come back and it's already the seventh inning. Uh, in, in years past, uh, when I'm writing a game story, I might have to, you know, at least have my lead, uh, at least have most of my story written, uh, you know, around the seventh inning. And, and now it's, it's more like the fifth because these games are just flying by. Um, which is a good thing in, in, in a lot of ways for a lot of, uh, a lot of folks who watch. So, uh, something to keep an eye on is the, the, the average, uh, finishing time of a game, not the amount of, uh, game time played, but, you know, how late, uh, people are getting out of the park at night. It could be, you know, maybe as early as nine o'clock on some of those nights, which, which would be interesting. Uh, all right. Uh, I want to remind our, our listeners, hey, if you're, uh, you're, you know, following our coverage here of the, the Guardians is, as we get ready to head out to a good year for, for spring training, uh, the best way to stay on top of everything is uh, through Guardian subtext. We, uh, we text message uh, to all of our subscribers uh, throughout the day with updates. And as soon as we have breaking news, we send it out to you. Uh, it's $3.99 a month to subscribe. And you can log on and, and join uh, by going to cleveland.com slash subtext or by sending a text message to 216-208-4346. Uh, Hoinsey, we wanted to uh, continue our, our sort of little breakdown ahead of spring training. Uh, we looked at all of the other position groups, um, you know, uh, on the field and, and with the ball club. Uh, lastly, uh, you know, the sort of the, the biggest question mark, the biggest, you know, problem area, the biggest black hole on the team right now uh, is the outfield. Uh, sort of similar to the infield in that. You know, one of the uh, one of the spots is is pretty much spoken for and locked down in in left field with Stephen Kwan. We can get into that, but you know, just uh, your thoughts in general over the last several years about uh, the Guardians' outfield, its production, uh, its productivity on both sides of the ball. Really, uh, what have you thought of what the Guardians have been able to do over the last several years uh, with their outfielders? Yeah, well, <laughs> it hasn't. You know, Joe. I mean. Th- just speaking for the last couple last couple years, they really haven't. It hasn't been a traditional outfield, uh, you know, with the exception of Quan, you know, who's a leadoff hitter, you know, and even he isn't an exceptional, you know, uh, you know, kind of a prototypical corner outfielder. You know, he's a starting left fielder, two-time Gold Glove winner, and, and he's a leadoff hitter, but he is, you know, he's a table setter. You, this this outfield produces no power. Uh, they hit what 18 home runs last season. Uh, totaled 18 home runs from the six, seven, or eight guys, different guys that played out there. And you're just not going to win like that, Joe. And there hasn't been a, a whole lot of change out there either. So, you know, I think uh, you know the, the you know 
when you look at last season's club, you know, the kind of the, the, the holes in the lineup were produced by catching at the catcher position in the, in the outfield. Uh, you know, the, Bo Naylor should help, uh, you know, solidify the catching situation, but the outfield situation is, you know, is just as dire as it was last season to me. Yeah, that's that's the problem I think that we're we're seeing here is that there hasn't been much change made to address those issues, and and even when they did bring in, you know, acquisitions like Estevan Florial and. Uh, you know, they, they re-upped with uh, Ramon Laureano, who they, they acquired at the end of the year. Um, you know, those those really don't sort of address the the lack of power. You know, maybe Florial hits the way that he did in AAA last year, but uh, there there isn't just that one guy who's going to sit there and give you 30 home runs and, and 100 RBIs. They, they, they can't, you know, produce that guy from his from their um, their farm system yet. And. Uh, they they haven't been willing to go out and and pay for uh, the services of somebody who can do that. So uh, let's start. Uh, you mentioned Quan. Uh, you start in left field. Uh, he you know he's been pretty durable over his career so far. The the, the two years that they've uh, they've had him. Uh, you know when they moved him, they they found his spot as a, as a leadoff hitter. Uh, do you expect you know 150 some games and you know batting first uh, in the in the order out of Stephen Quan uh, again this year? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think so, Joe. I mean, you know, Quan in a traditional outfield, you know, he would be kind of the cherry on top of the uh, chocolate sundae. You know, if you had guys that could produce runs, you know, in right field and perhaps in center field, then you could get away with uh, Quan playing left field. Or Quan probably is a traditional center fielder and, you know, you'd have power from the corners, but they don't have that. But so, you you know, Quan is, you know, a, a has, has proven to be, you know, a solid, you know, big league player in his first two years. He's done everything they they could have asked for him. For him, two gold gloves. He's still he's uh, you know scored 93 runs last year to lead the team. You know he uh, you know he great uh, you know walk to uh, strikeout ratio 70 70 walks to 75 Ks. Uh, you know his his batting average dipped a little bit, but. Still, uh, I think this guy is only going to get better. He's the shining light in in the outfield, Joe. Yeah, the uh, baseball reference projections have him uh, with a, a batting average somewhere north of uh, 281 in in you know 550 some at bats for the season. So you know uh, if the projections hold up, and uh, you know that, that's pretty good, and, and only 74 strikeouts on the season. I mean that would be uh interesting numbers that that uh you know baseball reference projects for him and if he if he holds to those that's like you said that's a, a good positive spot there in the outfield uh and, and as far as like uh the idea of him maybe moving around maybe moving to center field or or anything like that uh that would be probably based more on uh if they bring somebody up to and have to find a place for him like a George Valera or uh, you know, somebody who needs to play left field instead of, uh, you know, hanging out in center. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But, you know, I think, you know, what Quan has done in uh, in left field, you know, it's a lot like, uh, you know, Jimenez at second base. You know, you've got a gold glove defender there. 
you know, he knows the position, he's played his tail off, and he's done nothing, uh, you know, <laughs> he's done nothing to, to deserve being moved. But I guess, you know, he said he, at the end of last season, he said he can play anywhere on the, on the, on, in the outfield. He said he can play center field. Uh, would he be willing to do that? I, I'm sure he would, but you know, if you're the if you're the Guardians, you got to be wondering: Do I weaken myself at two positions? And if I if I make a move like that, I, you know, I like I like right. defense, and you like a Gold Glover out there in left field. Yeah, and uh, you also like a Gold Glover in center field, and that's uh, you know essentially what you've got in, in Miles Straw. You you just like to see a little more uh, offensively out of him. Uh, the depth behind Straw in center, uh, or or maybe in front of him, uh, depending on how things go here in spring training. Uh, Ramon Laureano, Will Brennan, uh, and Estevan Florial are the guys on the 40-man roster. Uh, how do you see center field shaking out if uh, if if Straw continues to struggle in the way that he did uh, through uh, much of the last two seasons? Well, if 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 Miles continues to struggle. You know, if he's not going to get 518 plate appearances like he did last season, there's no way that's going to happen. You know, they they brought Florial in here for a reason. He's out of options. One of the few guys on this on this uh, roster that are out of options. I think he's going to get a real long look in center field. Uh, that 28 home runs he hit at AAA last year for the Yankees. I think, uh, you know, is carrying some weight going into camp. And, Joe, if he does that, if he has that kind of season in the big leagues, in the, in the Cleveland outfield, they'll, they'll build a statue to him at, at, as, as soon as this season ends. Yeah, if he can hit 28 home runs, that would be uh, impressive. I don't know. Uh, baseball Reference has uh, their projections. They have straw uh, getting, you know, under that 500 at-bats, only 462 uh, and and him hitting uh, in the the 245 range. So uh, if that's the case, then you know you're going to be talking about a guy who uh, you know moves from being the the regular everyday starting center fielder to you know maybe a guy that they bring in defensively at the end of games. Uh, and, and certainly his glove can can you know sort of warrant that kind of a, a move. It's just uh, you're paying this guy. Uh, he's got a contract, and you know you'd like to see him uh, be able to produce. Uh, Loriano is interesting because, uh, you know, they, they have him under contract as well. Uh, and, and, you know, they brought him back, uh, after last year. And this is a guy who can play multiple positions in the outfield and, and is, is also a very, uh, you know, very highly rated, at least with his arm, uh, very highly rated outfielder in, in that regard. Yeah, he's got a good arm. We've seen him in center and right field after, uh, Cleveland claimed him on waivers from Oakland. Um, John, you know, I, I mean, he had two twenty, you know, with with the A's in Cleveland, he had two twenty four last season, uh, eighteen doubles, four triples, nine home runs, thirty five RBIs. Uh, you know, he's a platoon guy, and uh, I think you know everybody in that outfield except Quan is a platoon guy until they prove different. So, you know, I, I think Loriano, if he, you know. <laughs> I guess, you know, Joe, I, I guess he, uh, you know, he, this is a, you know, they signed him so early, he was eligible for arbitration, you know, but they signed him for what, over, just over $5 million, $5 million uh, a one-year deal. So, uh, you know, he is, he's going to be part of this outfield one way or the other. And I would think we're, we're going to see him mostly in center and, and right field. Yeah, that, 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 that's my feeling is that, that he'll, 
you know, maybe platoon with Florial out there. Who, who knows? Yeah. Uh, and, and knock uh, straw back even further. It, it all depends. Uh, but he's also uh, he can give you a look, uh, you know, if you want to run straw out there in center and put uh, Loriano in right uh, when you inevitably will face left handed pitching, because that's what all teams have been doing uh, against this Guardians club for the last several years is stacking up their left handed starters. Uh, so there will be a, there will be at bats for Ramon Loriano uh, on this club uh, as as they move forward. Uh, and, that, and that brings up, you know, another platoon type player. Uh, the guy who saw the majority of his time in right field last year was Will Brennan. Uh, and you know, what we saw out of Brennan was, uh, it was, it was positive. He was able to put the bat on the ball. Uh, you know, the big league pitching wasn't too much for him. Uh, he just hasn't, you know, produced the numbers that he produced at triple a, uh, in, in terms of the power and, and the run production in that regard. Uh, what, what do you need to see more out of, uh, Will Brennan, uh, moving forward to, 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 to make him a, uh, a permanent part of this outfield. Yeah, Joe, I think like you hit the nail on the head. It's got to be more production. I mean, he hit 266. That's well above the league average, but you know, there was nowhere, there was no there there almost, you know, it was, you know, 115, uh, 115 hits, 24 doubles, five home runs, 41 RBIs, 655 OPS, you know, an 83 OPS plus when 100, you know, is league average, you know, so, you know, he's put, like you said, we're seeing, we're seeing, uh, we're seeing, you know, contact, you know, I think he's got to get a better, better control of the strike zone, you know, 57 strikeouts compared to 16 walks, but we're seeing contact. We're not just, we're, we're not just seeing power and I'm not talking about hitting the ball out of the park you know a guy like if Brennan isn't going to hit home runs and he really traditionally hasn't hit a whole lot of home runs but he's going to have to hit doubles he's going to have to hit triples he's going to have to you know hit with runners on base to be effective so uh there are uh, it's sort of like a revolving door out there in in right field now in terms of uh the depth chart you've got uh guys listed Will Brennan Ramon Laureano uh, they even list Gabriel Arias, who played a bunch of games out in, in right field last year, uh, along with David Fry and maybe even Josh Naylor. These are all possibilities out there in right field. Uh, like we've said, the, the, more, the most likely scenario is a platoon with Brennan and, and Laureano uh, right now uh, moving forward. Uh, but there are options in camp right now. The other outfielders who are sort of on the roster, uh, you know, make you take notice. Uh, Jonathan Rodriguez, guy who has an excellent arm and, and was the, uh, the the hitting story of the player development system last year. He was probably the uh, the Guardians' best minor league hitter all around last year. Um, George Valera, a guy that they've been you know waiting for, very highly rated prospect, and uh, he's battled some injuries the last couple of seasons. Uh, he's he's a guy to keep an eye on in terms of a a, a breakout. Uh, PD Halpin is, uh, he's in camp as a non-roster invitee, uh, a younger guy. Also, even, uh, you know, they're going to have a chance to look at Chase DeLauder. Uh, any of these guys that are, you know, sort of not in line towards the top at, uh, at, to, to make the team, but could be in position to maybe come up and, and help at some point during the season, uh, if they don't start the, uh, the year off on the, the major league roster. Yeah, I think, you know, a guy like Valera, Joe, you know, he's, he had, you know, kind of, last year was a wash 
with the you know with the hand injury and he th- he pulled a hamstring at at Columbus, but it, he still hit 11 home runs at Columbus in 73 games, and you know that's you know that's something you know that's something uh, to uh, keep in the back of your mind. Uh, you know Rodriguez is a really interesting guy, like you were saying, Joe. What 29 home runs, 88 RBIs. He had 286, 26 doubles. This guy's got some thump. You know, you just don't know. You know, I, I haven't seen him play a whole lot. You know, in, in, in the outfield, you don't know what kind of defender he is. But who knows? He could be in the, the running for the D, you know, to help out a DH. Because, you know, Joe, how many left-handed hitters do they have on this team? They, you know, it's really hard to balance this 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 lineup. They You know, they have one lefty after another lefty. Even their prospects are lefties. So, you know, that, I, you know, I think that's going to be an interesting uh, challenge uh, for Stephen Vogt. But. Yeah, and and Halpin is is an interesting guy, high round pick uh, out of high school a couple years ago. He was at Double A last year. Uh, you know, center fielder. He can go get the ball. Uh, Two forty three last season. Twenty three doubles, nine homers, thirty eight RBIs. He was twelve for fourteen in stolen bases. So it's kind of an action player, a guy you know that's probably not ready yet, but you know, you know, to keep a guy to keep your eye on in the last couple of years. You know, um, Chase DeLotter, You know, I think uh, you know he's in that the depth camp out in uh, in Goodyear right now. Uh, he's probably starting the season at Double A. You know, he hasn't you know got a lot of tools, Joe, but he hasn't played a whole lot. You know, with the the broken mm-hmm. foot. At, at James Madison, then he re-injured the foot, uh, you know, last spring. So he got a slow start to last year. So I think he's going to have to play play some games before you know he comes up and 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 is able to help this club. Yeah, and and if if there's a point where he's needed to to, to come up and and uh, you know play at the major league level, I think it's it's definitely later in the season, maybe September uh, or you know, maybe he just spends the entire season between Double uh, A AA and Triple A, uh, making that sort of progress. Would you be stunned if George Valera doesn't make his major league debut at some point this season? No, if he's healthy, he's going to be up here, Joe. I would, you know, they uh, they've shown no, uh, they are they're not real. I don't think they're real. Uh, you know, I think they want to see Valera up here, and they and they haven't been real restrictive in bringing guys, shuttling guys up and down. So, uh, yeah, I would think we'll see Valera if he's healthy, you know, if he's sound, if he's hitting the ball hard out of the ballpark in Columbus, he's going to get a shot here. Okay. Uh, it's major league, uh, starting outfield, uh, day one opening day in Oakland. Uh, who do you got from uh, left field to right field for the guardians, uh, in the opener against the A's? Uh, I'm going, uh, I'm going Quan and left Florial and center and Loriano in right field. Loriano making uh coming back and starting against his old ball club. There you go. Uh, I'll 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 change it up just a little bit. I'll say Brennan in uh in, in right field. Just uh you know maybe they maybe they DH Loriano or uh, depends on if there's a righty or a lefty on the mound uh, for the A's. Uh, but yeah, I, I I do think that that change is going to be made. It's going to be made. Uh, maybe even early in camp uh, that uh, Floreal moves to the front of the pack and center uh, and, and they sort of uh, tell straw, Hey, it's either, uh, you know, get with it or get moving. So 
Uh, all right, that's going to wrap up our look at the Guardians outfield and the depth behind it uh, as they head into training camp. Uh, Hoinsey, the next step for you is a, a plane ride out to uh, Goodyear. So uh, we'll, we'll wish you safe travels out there and we'll uh, we'll talk to you from camp uh, early next week. Good deal, Joe. 